Sergey and Tuna Brass and Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio making his fortnightly appearance on the program. This is fortnightly appearance. He's the lead prospect analyst at Fangraphs.com. It's Eric Longenhagen. Eric Longenhagen is the guest on this edition of the program. As he does every two weeks, Eric Longenhagen endeavors to analyze all prospects of particular note this week. A review, not the entirety of uh, Prospects Week at Fangraphs.com. Uh, such an exercise would be much too long, would require much too en- much too much energy uh, for either myself or Longenhagen. However, I do ask Eric Longenhagen to peer over a uh, post that he wrote designed to examine those former prospects, former top prospects in some cases, who have, uh, to one degree or another, faded into obscurity or something resembling obscurity. Jer- Jerickson Profar is an example of such a player. We we discuss him at some length. A.J. Reed, perhaps, is another example. We discuss him not at all. Also of note this week, college baseball's opening weekend. Eric Longenegan is very excited for it and talks in particular about some games or game or games that might be held in his area, maybe is what he does. Or perhaps he uh, introduces us to the ways in which he consumes that sport when it is televised. Uh, some on that. And more, uh, in a more general sense, what we have here is Eric Longenegan, a, uh, a pleasant conversationalist and one uh, not without uh, some great knowledge of uh, prospects in baseball. I asked I ask Eric, I said, Eric, do you think that this is going to be, do you think this one episode is going to, is going to really be the one that launches us into stardom? Is this going to be the one that launches us into stardom? Eric, he responds thusly. I, I, no, I guess not. It's not encouraging that. Uh, we will get to that conversation with Eric Long and Hagen momentarily, but first, it is both my pleasure and also my professional obligation to announce that Fangraphs memberships exist for a reasonable sum. Readers of Fangraphs.com could acquire a membership, and for a slightly less reasonable sum, not entirely unreasonable, but slightly less reasonable, those same readers, if they so choose, can acquire an ad-free membership, which allows one to browse Fangraphs.com without the burden of banner ads, without the burden or the distortive effects of banner ads, liberating one from the tyranny of advertising, and also facilitating uh, faster loading speeds, I've been led to believe. So that's Fangraphs membership and ad-free membership, available only at Fangraphs.com by clicking around a bit once you're there. Okay, uh, that advertisement now concluded let us move on to our conversation what is it it is fangraphs audio who does it feature lead prospect analyst eric longenhagen and when does it begin right now Oh, yeah. We probably got a virus. Maybe. Probably got a virus from Ben Lindbergh. <laughs> he ben w- Lindbergh. He was desperately trying to poison the uh, the relationship between uh, Chris Kylie and I. Which I guess it, now that Chris is leaving, it's I guess that's probably maybe he did. Okay. His, maybe he did his job. <laughs> maybe he did what he needed to do. Uh, you, of course, are speaking of uh, not only Kyla McDaniel, but also Chris Mitchell, mm. the uh, whom I would refer to as the progenitor and or baby daddy of the Cato projection system. Cato. Yep. Mm. Now Chris is leaving us. Yes, he is. Uh, he has. Uh, he wrote. He wrote in his post. 
um, that he had an opportunity, I believe something along these lines, he had an opportunity in the baseball industry, which uh, it might make it sound to readers as though he is definitely going to a team but just cannot reveal which team, right? Um, yeah. But that, that, so he wouldn't reveal it publicly, but he would tell, he would tell friends and colleagues. Uh, but in fact, um, when attempting to shake him down for info, <laughs> which uh, I he, did immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where are you going, buddy? Uh-huh. And uh, he uh, he maintained his veneer of uh, professionalism. Maybe mm. it's not a veneer. Maybe maybe he's maybe he's actually one of these legitimately responsible people that you hear of sometimes. What do you think about that? Uh, that's probably good. Yeah. Hey, I hadn't planned on doing this, but would you like to do a? Uh, would you like to perform a brief eulogy for uh, Chris Mitchell's Fangraphs career? Would you like to briefly eulogize him and/or uh, his Cato system? Yes, I'll miss. Uh, I will miss the help that Chris provided on each of our organizational lists. He was a wonderful person to be around the few times he and I have been in the same physical space together. And uh, I will miss the anxiety that the stat-focused list uh, forces me to feel because I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be wrong about anyone. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think uh, – now listen, I think it would uh... – now, I'm not even that intelligent, but I could arrive at I, – I could concoct a couple of reasons why <clears throat> uh, the Cato Top 100 list, for example, would – why it might be arranged in such a – you know, it, with some names that um, you you might – with some, you know, players you might rank differently. And, I'm, and, and to be clear, I don't think Chris Mitchell ever regarded it as do, uh, dogma. I don't think he regards it as talking about. I think he he considers no, sure. it a a type of first pass or something like that. Um, what are what, did you learn anything from the the Cato rankings? If you if you had to, uh, there were always individual players that uh, either the the that stuff or the you know you doing fringe five work like there are individual players who uh, you start doing background on because you guys unearthed them and they turn out to be, you know, interesting to some degree. Um, and then it's also, it's also been on guys earlier, um, which is strange to think about because you think about statistical performance and you think that it's, uh, and I think that this stuff is still true, but like you think that it stabilizes later in, the minors and the upper minors, you know, but like it was on uh, Luis Orias very early, you know. Yeah, the Orias one was that—that that was the most notable. I remember when he published it, like three, I don't know, three or four years ago. Um, it arrived. Urias was way at the top of the list, mm-hmm. and uh, he was—I think he was still in low A ball at that time. Um, and of course, uh, that has—he's not—he's not played in the majors yet, but. Everything about his minor league track record, Luis Urias, would suggest that he's going. He'll, he'll be able to do something at the major league level. Yeah, and we think so too. Right. I think it's okay that sometimes uh, the weird, the weird guys like this have to prove it for a little bit longer before you really buy into it. 
mm-hmm. where they get questioned for longer. I think that's probably fine. But he was really special as a as a low level minor league hitter, and still is. I think. Yeah, I actually thought was thinking about this too. <clears throat> uh, I think that there. Well, there's like a whole. There's a whole class of, of player, right? Who, as you say, with you know, with regard to Urias or may, maybe someone else, they are um, performers. And uh, I suppose as an evaluator, you say, okay, well, keep doing it. And, and uh, you know, but there's nothing about, you'd say maybe there's nothing about the tools, the physical capacities that would lead one to believe that, that such a player would have a great deal of success. But uh, maybe there are some, some skills that one cannot perceive with his or her eye that exist there. Um, and baseball, something baseball specific. The, I do have. I've, I've been meditating on the 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 term performer, a little bit, Eric Long, not not at length, but briefly. Okay. Right. <clears throat> and I think that, um, especially in looking at this in the context of um, uh, that uh, material that Chris Mitchell has provided us for a few years, I think it is important to distinguish, or to to be a bit more clear what one might mean by performer because um there are players who have had on paper strong statistical seasons right mm-hmm. um, who even if they are age appropriate might not necessarily do well um by by cato's reckoning because perhaps they because they've probably succeeded i mean if that were the case it's probably because they've succeeded by means that are not typically sustainable right Mm-hmm. Straight yeah, you get right. these guys yeah. who there's a neat trick of some kind, uh, you know, the speedy, slappy outfielders who take advantage of bad low-level defense and their triple slash line looks ridiculous because of that, or uh, these uh, low-level fringe fastball, above-average change-up uh, pitching prospects who don't necessarily have the the sort of uh, stuff to succeed at the upper levels, but they do well in the low minors. Yeah, they're the, they're the biggest challenge. I came across uh, one such name today. Actually, well, um, uh, well, let's keep this idea of what uh, what we mean by performers. Sort of, uh, we'll, we'll put that as a uh, keep that as sort of a a collage in the background, mm-hmm. right? There'll be a sort of backdrop to this conversation. Uh, but you today, just today, and this will this will <laughs> date the recording, un- unfortunately, because um, my my track record for publishing the anyway, uh, neither here nor there. Um, you published the Mariners list today, um, um, unique among the lists you published so far because it was fewer than five thousand words. Uh, unique because it was uh, only fourteen names, only fourteen names long. Yeah. But there is a pitcher in the Mariners system um, whose name uh, might might, despite the fact that you've performed an audit of that system, uh, it still might remain obscure to you. Um, the <clears throat> sorry, the name is I believe it is L. I believe the first name is L. J. It is L. J. Newsom. Are you familiar with that name? Yes. Okay. And you're aware that it's spelled L-J-A-Y? Yes. Okay. Um, L.J. Newsom, when I performed uh, my own <laughs> um, tender statistical ministrations uh, to the uh, 
to players in, in the Mariner system, he was uh, quite well acquitted. Um, he struck out uh, roughly 21% of the batters he faced last year. Good. Fine. Good. Not huge, but good. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, he o- but he only walked 3% of them. He threw a lot of strikes. Um, and in fact, I believe he won in the Mariner system, he won what they refer to as the 60-foot 6-inch award, which is given to the pitcher who performs most ably in um, zero zero counts and 1-1 one, one counts. And the pitcher who wins this award is automatically given the opportunity to go to Major League Camp in spring training. So this might be some background with which you're unfamiliar. <laughs> I mean, I I probably had seen that he was a non-roster invitee. And I know he throws strikes, but he's not someone that was... He's not someone who like came up a whole bunch as I worked on the list. Okay, how do, how how are you familiar with the name? Uh, I have seen him. Like, You've seen him pitch with your own eyes. Yeah, but I don't like. I cannot tell you. I know because, uh, like I've seen him, but I don't think I have notes on him anywhere. He's one of those guys who you probably put the notebook down for. Okay. Um. Yeah. Which I like is terrible, and I'm sorry, but it's true. <clears throat> No, uh, no. Well, I understand. Listen, having having been to, I don't know, pro, I don't know, like a hundredth, one one hundredth of the games you've attended, more. I mean, like a, a an even greater, smaller fraction than that. I, uh, I, I felt that I, I feel that way almost immediately. If there's someone who's not, um, you know, overwhelming, so well, I'm going to put all this work in. Um, so. Yes, I listen. You never have to explain the motivation for your own slot. But I have seen I his name. Like his, uh, it is spelled L J A Y. Yeah. Now he appears to have played in the Arizona League in 2015 mm-hmm. uh, with the AZ. And Mariners. then he was in short season if... ball in 2016. So I would have seen him during extended as well. Okay. All right. <clears throat> now what? I, you know the. Well, so there are not a lot of public-facing reports on L.J. Newsom's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I cannot necessarily... So that says two things. One, it says uh, that I cannot tell you what he, how hard he throws, but what it also probably says is he doesn't throw that hard. Because everyone who throws like 88 and up typically, typically gets some report like, you know, unlike, you know, there are a number of Mariners blogs, for example, uh, Lookout Landing mm-hmm. and uh, is one of them. And... Um, you know, there's no mention of velocity. There's like, yeah, he exists. Was mostly the <laughs> that was the scouting report on LG Newsom, uh, and yet, but he uh, services up. But my the whole point was that um, talking about a trick that uh, that pitchers might have who put up particularly strong, uh, you know, indicators at a very low level. It's uh, unless you have some sort of. Um, unless you have some sort of assurance of physical capacities to complement that, then it's, it's hard to put a lot of stock into those performances. I think that's fair. When do you start to do it? I mean, like, so let's, let's, let's talk about Tommy Malone, for example, right? Do you remember, do you remember Tommy Malone, the minor leaguer? Yep. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's still alive, but he, I think he, he might've led the, the minors and strikeouts for two consecutive years, something like that. It doesn't, I don't care if, about precision in this particular case, um, or maybe strikeout rate or something along those lines. Right. And he did it 
Like he did it even like like as a in triple A. Right? He was twenty four at triple A. That's not crazy old. It's not it's not young, but it's not crazy old. Uh is there I mean, is there a certain point at which those sort of statistical indicators uh are able to override what you see physically or or does a does a pitcher really have to do it in the major league level for you? If so obviously the lower levels of the minors, one of the things that's really working against these guys is uh, the the talent variability and ballpark variability, things that, that add noise to the data. And that stuff starts to uh, go away at, in my opinion, like double A. So if someone starts doing that sort of thing at double A and above, and they've done it over a fairly significant sample, uh, then yeah, then it's time to like really ask yourself if something strange is going on here that's going to allow this individual to succeed. That's when you really need to uh, sort of abandon your heuristics. Whoa, and watch and, out. Give me, oh. <laughs> watch out, heuristics. <laughs> and like look at this guy as an individual and see if there's something very specific going on that's that's working. And uh, the other sort of shorthand for guys like this that's an indicator that I need to like check on this guy is if someone like this gets added to a 40-man or something like that. The non-roster invitees, uh, it's not typically a strong indicator. Um, certainly there are, are plenty of guys who are like actual prospects who get, uh, get non-roster invites to, to the big league camp. Um, but there's often, you know, a, a section of that group that are, they're there because they are competent from a fundamental standpoint, uh, in a way that plays just fine in a, in a big league game. So, but if someone's on the 40 man, then that to me is, is meaningful. Okay. So that's another way. But yeah, like with Malone and guys like, uh, who else? They're like... The, the A's had somebody else too recently where they like came up and have they sort of kicked around for a while. Oh, uh, Straley, like Dan, Dan Straley. Straley, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, and of course, I, th- I think he, he might have just had his best season, uh, ever this past year with the Marlins. Does that sound like a does that sound like a fact? Yeah, split to you? between Miami and Cincinnati, right? Yeah, yeah. He's turned into actually. A pretty decent, uh, a pretty decent starter, mm-hmm. if not elite. But, but he was, I think, exactly to your point. He uh, had a great deal of success striking people out in the high minors, and uh, things did not go. Uh, that did not necessarily translate immediately, at least, to the majors, right? I mean, not that, not that level of dominance at all. <clears throat> And, and and then you know who who's a, a third name to add to this, right? If if we're attempting to uh, sort our way through this, and this is particularly interesting for the way that he compares to uh, Tommy Malone is Kyle Hendricks, right? Because right. Kyle Hendricks has been one of the best pitchers in all of the major leagues. He he did in 2014 more or less what Tommy Malone did in 2011, right? He was a 24 year old at AAA, and he was good at AAA. He, you know, he he had a strikeout rate of... I mean, listen, he had a lower strikeout rate 
in a higher walk rate than Tommy Malone did at the same age at the same level. Mm-hmm. Right? And also, uh, his fastball velocity relative to his major league peers is basically the same as Malone's, especially if you account for handedness, right? Mm-hmm. But how would we have known? How would one have known that Kyle Hendricks was the capital R, uh, capital D, real deal? Real deal, capital... Do you see what I'm saying? Capital R, there's a capital Yeah, like what separates the guys who all sort of fit into this command Mm -hmm. uh, pitchability bucket that allows some of them to be Kyle Hendricks while some of them sort of max out as like Tommy Malone. Tommy Malone. Um... And where's Dan, and where's Dan Straley on this continuum? Uh, hmm. I mean, probably Tommy Malone is not the left the leftmost point on this continuum. If we consider the right. leftmost point the lowest one, that could be. Uh, it could, it could be, like I do think that sometimes uh, if you like, let's say. If I were scouting Kyle Hendricks mm-hmm. and put like a 55 on his changeup, I think his changeup is good, but I don't think it's good enough. Like I don't think – I'm incorrect. I'm underselling it. Mm-hmm. And so like an elite changeup and elite command is a huge separator compared to someone who's just got 55s of uh, of both of those. So it's possible that um, – when when we're doing public facing prospect stuff, it's like it's hard to to slap like a future seven or eight on a guy's command. Of course it is. Um, and, yeah, of course it is. But there are undoubtedly players out there who are going to do that. Um, you know, Josh Tomlin is sort of like another guy like this. I mean, I suppose he's probably he's probably like a, if we're talking future value wise, like he's probably a forty five. Um, and like Cleveland collects these guys, uh, and they, they're like a bunch of different versions of, of this player. And there's like the change up command version of the player, uh, that certain, there's like also like a sinker version too, isn't there? Yeah. Then there's, yeah, I'd say there's like the, uh, like the, that's, I guess the Doug Fister type, although I guess there's other stuff going on there, but yeah, there are like all these, uh, traits independent of the stuff that uh like allow these guys to to succeed. And I and if it were if it were me, if I and we've talked about Hendrix before, uh but like if I were to guess as to why everyone undersold Hendrix, it was because his command and changeup were just under under projected, either with by teams or publicly facing or both. Or we just don't give enough uh we don't allow for change up and command projection on guys whose present skills are already that like there's probably a bias. Like we like to project on the change up in the command of these, you know, hard throwing athletic high school arms that look right and have a breaking ball. Like we'll, we're fine projecting on Hunter Green's change up in command. Like I, we, I did that's, he's a fastball breaking ball pitcher right now, but I have, heavy projections on his 
change up in command because of the arm action and the athleticism and all that stuff. And I don't, and I think that stuff is true, but it's also true for the guy who already has an above average change up in command. Like that guy has change up projection too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think we, we, we tend to undersell that a little bit. Um, and like, like I said, like Cleveland is just like lousy with these guys. Aaron Savali, Shane Bieber, Sean Morimondo, Thomas Pannone, who I guess they like traded to Saint or Toronto. Um, and then there are other forward-thinking organizations who prefer the fastball breaking ball guy and could care less if he develops a changeup in a command and command because they can use that guy as the multi-inning reliever as like a a, a fallback option. Well, that's so there's sort of like this divide among uh, forward-thinking organizations now, where one is going this way and the other is going this way, and they're like in completely opposite directions as far as pitching aesthetics go. Uh, But it it seems that like both of those groups of players tend to be uh, underrated for one reason or another. Let me ask you, what do you think will happen? To Brent Suter in his major league career. Brent Suter is a left-hander, the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't know that he ever appeared near the on a prospect list. He, I believe, he had. I mean, with the exception of like R. A. Dickey and maybe a Weaver. Did any Weavers pitch this year? If so, he might have thrown slightly, slightly harder than a Weaver. Um, but uh, his fastball was eighty-six. And uh, he actually cobbled together pretty good. He was worth almost two wins in just 80 innings, Brent Suter. Um, yeah, and that's, that's interesting. And that's another organization in Milwaukee that's like, you know, they're at least trying to think differently in mm-hmm. some ways. Um, yeah, I, he's a, what, a three-pitch three, three pitch guy, essentially, 70, I'm looking at his Fangraphs page right now. It's like 70% fastballs. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Let me see what the... Let's dig into the... Uh, let's the dig pitch, in, bro. <laughs> the pitch metrics here. Hold on. I'm yeah, looking. let's dig in. Let's dig in, bro. Well, like, as, a little of con- as a little <laughs> context, allow me to say this. Okay. Is... <clears throat> um, do you remember Dave Cameron? He used to be managing editor of mm. Fangraphs.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at some point... Uh, Dave Cameron uh, was uh, holding forth on the role of velocity in the major uh, among major league pitchers, and he suggested that at a certain point there just will not be there will be zero pitchers essentially in the majors who throw beneath, you know, pick whatever your pick whatever number you want. But it'll be like it would be like ninety or ninety one. He thinks that for the time being, this um, the. Um, every year, Major League Baseball will be setting a record for average fastball velocity uh, for the time for the time being, and that and that there will be so many pitchers who throw hard, there won't even there will be zero room essentially for these like command guys. And I, I think uh, maybe we brought up Brent Suter, at, you know, or you know, I brought up Brent Suter at some point, but I think that Cameron's sense was like the 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 road is not long for Brent Suter, but. Uh, it you know it, it also has, seems like maybe it, it it shouldn't have been long for Kyle Hendricks right we've we've mentioned his name you invoked uh, Josh Tomlin who I do, uh, whose fastball 
who recorded a, an average fastball velocity just under 88 miles per hour this year, and yet was worth two wins. Uh, we have not uttered the name of, but I can do it now, of Zach Davies, who's actually uh, one of Suter's teammates with the Brewers, who is a who has an excellent changeup. Yes, um, he does. And I think only sat 90, which is which is I think is probably two or three miles per hour below the average starting pitcher at this point. Yep. Um, and he does not get tons of swings and misses, but he he remained effective. Um, because, uh, you know, combination of command and, and that changeup, as we, we, we noted. Uh, so Brent Suter. Uh, and I'm not going to say gun to your head uh, for, like, a number of reasons. Yeah, Very inappropriate. Uh, but uh, 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 if you were tasked in a professional capacity with recommending or not recommending Brent Suter, uh, I guess, which would you do <clears throat> and on what grounds? I mean, I suppose as, like, back-end starting pitching depth, mm-hmm. I'd be fine with it. He's done it for long enough now that you just have to accept that that uh, he can. Mm-hmm. There's a certain selection bias about the guys we're talking about, right? Because for every... Because they have? <laughs> yeah, because they all have. You know, each and every one of these these guys has stuck around because they continue to succeed. And so the it, the reason is important if you're looking for the next guy who's going to do it, but it's really not as far as these guys go. Now, having said that, like, um, there's zero margin for error for this guy. Like, as soon as his anything starts to slip, mm-hmm. if the athleticism starts to go away, and that causes the command to waver at all, like, you know, this guy has to live with a 5, 6, 7% walk rate. Like, if it, it's any more than that... Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not a big leaguer anymore. And so what you said that, that Dave had said about Suter is, in my opinion, probably true. Uh, as soon as this guy hits, you know, what, he's 27, 28 now or whatever, like, as soon as that stuff starts to go away, so too will Suter. And, like, just like with the Weavers, you don't know necessarily when that's going to be. You know, Jamie Moyer did it until he was 96 years old. Yeah, that's true. You, you, I mean, the facts, you got the facts on your side. Yeah. So um, you just sort of ride this wave, mm-hmm. if you're Milwaukee, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and if they have identified something about him and just about players in general that allows him to succeed despite a lack of velocity, then great. Uh, I think there are teams that... that scoop up guys like this and you know one out of every six of them works out and uh i think that's fine i think it's a fine process for like uh talent farming yeah and also most pitchers uh, i mean pitchers in general one out of six is uh not the worst case scenario uh you just used i believe eric long you, you just uttered the words ride this wave ride the wave i think that might be a surfing metaphor <laughs> Allow me to issue a challenge, <laughs> Eric. Um, is a I would like you to use another surfing metaphor to, in your role as lead prospecting analyst for Fangraphs.com right now, preferably. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't know what other surfing metaphors exist, but it's not. A, I haven't been issued the challenge, so I don't care. Well, you know, if you're if you drafting players that have 
makeup or medical issues, you might be ambushed from below by a great white shark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't, do, do, Sorry. Do I only have – I, I immediately went to sharks. I don't know. That, I've never been on a surfboard. No, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but I know a lot about sharks. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Half of it. Uh, yeah, I guess that, that was not entirely fair. Yeah. I don't know. Do, do do surfers use the term ambushed to describe uh, their relationship to sharks? Say ambushed? I don't know. Hmm. I, I remember I w- surfers think about sharks. At one time, I was at a major league ballpark in the press area. Um, uh, during which I the press by during which I I always feel comfortable. I feel like even more of an imposter than I typically do in just real life walking around. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had the I had the occasion to observe. Let's see, I won't say the players involved. I will say Carlos Gonzalez was the hitter. Carlos Gonzalez in a tied game, I believe it was, or you know, late innings, hit a home run on a first pitch fastball. Hmm. And I had occasion to observe some sports writers um, who continue who said who continued to who used over and over the word ambushed. He goes, "Oh, they ambushed him." <laughs> oh yeah, and then the other guy was, like, "Oh yeah, you really ambushed him." And then the first guy was like, "You know, the only way to describe that is he, is he ambushed him, <laughs> ambushed him." And they said the word ambush. I mean, oh, to such an extent that it lost its meaning, as words sometimes do. Uh, but also, point was like, they they appeared to be really delighting in the fact that they had happened upon this word, and uh, they, they had also they also appeared resolved to use it as often as possible. I don't know. I don't know what, what attracted them to it. They really wanted to say that that uh, the pitcher in this case was ambushed by ambushed. Carlos Gonzalez. Yeah, I I had on. Uh... An Anthony Bond, a late, it was a mid-August Diamondbacks Astros game I had on today mm-hmm. to watch like Anthony Bonda and um, like uh, Max Stassi in the Astros system, who's still, I think he's like 27 or 28, but he's still prospect eligible. And I wanted to see him catch Brad Peacock and Francis Martes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of how. Uh, the Astros were like leading baseball in early count, like first and first pitch swinging. Um, Bonda was like breaking ball change up first pitch of every at bat after, like, I think he threw a first pitch fastball to Springer to lead off the game and Springer took a huge rip and like for the rest of the game, then it was just change up or breaking ball. And then, of course, Astros hitting started to adjust to that and did what I would describe as start to, like, ambush off-speed stuff, first pitch of, of these at-bats. So if I were ever going to use that phrase, that's where it, when it, where it would be. When it where it, it would be to, for, solely for ambushing off-speed stuff. I, I, no, I guess not. It would just have to be, like, if there was, uh, if there was a premeditated swing... For whatever reason, like if there was a three zero piped fastball that a guy has a rip at, like that would be an attempted ambush, in my opinion. Okay. Some sort of scenario where you wouldn't expect the guy to swing, but he was in fact waiting on uh, something to occur. Do you think you can? Do you think that you could diagnose intent? (sighs) 
there are some times when you can see a guy clearly doesn't have the bat speed to catch up to someone's fastball and he has to cheat on one in like a, an obvious fastball count. But you're you're again, it's all like you're using heuristics and oh. you're making like ding 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 ding. <laughs> you're making predictive uh sort of judgments based on scenario and skill intersecting in this one specific way and ultimately you are just sort of inferring it uh but yeah i mean you like to think that mm-hmm. that sometimes you can you can uh like it's important to try to make those distinctions if they if they occur because you don't want to misjudge someone's talent if what you just saw was not an accurate representation of it for some other reason yeah. all right uh, we are going to depart from this to- this uh, thread this narrative thread, whatever it is, forget. I don't remember, uh, but there because there are two other um, uh, matters I'd like to address, and uh, I have to address them within the next twenty-two minutes because um, I'm a father, Eric. Because I'm a father. Okay. Let's let me ask you about. So one of them will be just uh, what your schedule is. Um, oh yeah. The next week, but but but. I'm just uh, I'm teasing that okay what I'd like to bring up um, more immediately is a, a something you did as part of Prospects Week at Fangraphs.com very successful endeavor first of all Prospects Week um, almost as good as I'm Shark gonna, Week <laughs> I'm not going to ask you about Ambush I'm not going to ask you about <clears throat> any specific players that you ranked because I find it Tedious for me, maybe for you. I figure you've done a lot of the work. You did not besides the chat. You and Kylie also, or besides the list, you guys did a chat. You guys did best of the players who didn't make it. You talked about. You did an entire post. You did a DVD extra post, which is the making of the top 100 list. It had. It wasn't just you. It had uh, and Kylie. had cameos by Judd Apatow and Seth Rogen. <laughs> Talking about the making of. I can't do either of those guys. Sorry. There's probably I could probably do a Rogen like impression like if I worked on it, but I. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to start with a laugh, I guess, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um. So you did, you did a lot, but I wanted to ask you about the post prospect scouting reports. Here you endeavored essentially to look at. To look at prospects who had not only graduated off of prospect lists, uh, because Kylie did a post something like that, but who essentially had had continued to toil or had returned to obscurity in the meantime. And um, I suppose I could kind of reverse engineer the precise criteria you used to identify for you know for which players you'd want to put on this list. But I'd, I'd like to hear it directly from. From uh, your human mouth, there really wasn't one. Oh, okay. Uh, it was just like <laughs> uh, come up. It was definitely something that Kylie and I have talked about, and it was something that I was interested in doing in particular because no one really talks about what these guys are up to because they do fall into that into like it's amazing to say that this is happening with 
uh, media such as it is. But, like, these guys do kind of fall through the cracks. Certainly from, like, a national coverage standpoint, there are probably team-specific blogs that care about, like, what A.J. Reed is up to and stuff. Um, who, who, but, but you didn't include A.J. Reed. No, I didn't. Yeah. So I actually... Again, like I'm working on the Houston list now, so I have asked around about him continuously. Uh, so, like, I mean, we could talk about Reed specifically if you want, but again, like the players, the players that I picked were just guys that I've collected notes on, and I wrote a post about Raul Montesi like last week individually. He kind of fits this criteria too, where their prospect eligibility has been exhausted for one reason or another, and yet they're back in the minors and have been for some amount of time and there's something going on that's relevant that has changed. Uh, and they just don't like get covered because they're not big leaguers. So they don't get that coverage and they're not prospects anymore. So we don't talk about them because it's like, you know, all things considered, it is hard to rank. It's harder to rank a guy like AJ Reed now than it would have been a couple years ago because he has sort of stalled out at triple a. Um, and so like, it is uncomfortable to talk about them and, and try to figure out just what they are. Um, but like at the same time, uh, with some, with a second prospect writer now, like one of us has the time to, to think about that. So, uh, I try to, and it was just a bunch of guys who, you know, you skim 40 man rosters and, and find guys that sort of fit that, that mold. And the list of guys that I wrote up were the ones that fit. Here's a question. Uh, <clears throat> Jerickson Profar, right? Yeah. For whatever reason, and, pre- I, and I'm interested to see if you disagree with this, but I will contend that among those players who have ranked, not even first, but say in the top three of, uh, of uh, notable industry lists, and yet failed to deliver on that promise... Profar is not old by any means, but um, you know he's 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 he, he. It's been six years since he was like making his big league debut. Right. He yeah. uh, things haven't gone well, and yet I would say he does not. He does not get. He doesn't have the same sort of. There's not the same sort of hand wringing uh, re- related to him as there was, for example. Like I mean, Delman Young was in the majors forever, and yeah, and. Relative to the sort of production that he was providing for his teams, and you always had a sense like, here is a guy who did not work out, or Brandon Wood, like Brandon Wood, um, I think mm-hmm. was what he made it to to three on some lists, and I think you could you could say he failed spectacularly. Yeah, Jesus Montero gets gets a lot of oh, yeah, uh, vitriol. Dominic Brown. Yeah, I I don't know how to explain why uh, certain guys sort of are subject to that and others are not. Mm-hmm. Profar's situation is complicated by multiple injuries. Um, and so, like, you know, if Julio Orias is never anything good ever again, like, there's probably the general public that cares about that sort of thing, like, ha- has their... They have a reason to apply to it. Uh, whereas Delman Young... You know, I don't know. He just swung at everything, I guess. Uh, Delman Young's actually pretty interesting. Uh, I when I was writing for Crashburn Alley and the Phillies brought him on, 
I did a whole like deep dive back and like talked to his high school coach and all this about, you know, Delman Young. <laughs> and things, the timeline there is like things started to get weird with Young when he was rooming with Elijah Dukes in the minors. Oh. So maybe like it wasn't such a great idea for Tampa to do that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, with Profar, that situation is complicated by the shoulder injuries. And now it's even further complicated by what Texas did with his service time late last year. Uh, they didn't give him a September call up because of service time. So now he's got like an extra year before he hits free agency. Uh, so what I think it's, uh, he debuted in 2012, but isn't free agent eligible until 2021 now. Like he's out of options. And so that's when it'll ultimately happen. But I think that's like what the timeline is. Um, and so, like, so the kid is upset about forever. that. What's that? Like, roughly forever, he'll be yeah. team-controlled. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Would you – how would you characterize what you were made to believe about his upside when he was, you know, like, one of the top dudes? What, what kind of player did you – were you led to believe he would be? Well, I mean, he he would he was able to play shortstop, right? And at the same time, uh, he had, he was young, and he had also showed uh, some sort of physical ability. And I think that uh, I'm not sure. Don't you call it the Goldilocks zone, right? Where a player is like, um, like um, agile enough uh, to play shortstop, but he develops physically enough. Yeah. Uh, in order to, to, to you know, gain power. And, like, I mean, he was really good as an 18-year-old at low A, and then he skipped a level, and he went straight to double A, and he was oh, also yeah. really good. He made a lot of contact. He hit some home runs. And he was 19 at double A. I mean, if you were to make a list of 19-year-olds at double A, how many of them turn into some, you know, some kind of major leaguer? Uh, I would have to say the conversion rate's rather high. And I mean, in addition to hitting, he was also playing shortstop. So that's what I thought. Of. I thought you know he could sure. be uh, someone who did quite a bit of everything. I mean, I don't you know I don't think like the Carlos Correa skill set. You know that that seems reasonable, right? I know to me it does. Yeah, um, I mean the as I worked back on the profile stuff for this piece, the revisionist, you know. You could go back and read what uh, was written about Profar at the time and, and sort of get a feel for for this stuff. But, like, um, it was always more polished than tools. And so instead of him being that Correa Machado type from, like, a hit and power perspective, he was more like like a uh, what Kylie and I would call a low to medium variance 55 at age 18, 19 already. How would you um, compare... How, right, here's, a, here's maybe a better comp, would be Francisco Lindor. How, uh, yeah, I think that's... I think you're getting closer. Because um, there's not a lot of physical upside there, right? I mean, Lindor... I mean, in, in Lindor, along with teammate Jose Ramirez, probably benefited... Uh, you know, has probably benefited more than anyone from the... Uh, from two trends in baseball, which is the 
changing ball and also uh, swing path uh, changes. Yeah. Um, uh, but Lindor, I think Lindor, I mean, Lindor's short uh, defensive reputation has always been quite good. And Yeah, ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe Profar was never there. Um, right. But I mean, for a teenage, a teenage kid, and there was like some, some shine on Profar from his Little League World Series stuff too. Like he was already famous. I don't ever think that I don't think Profar was destined to be like some four or five win player as much as he probably uh, he was projected to be like a two and a half three win guy immediately at age nineteen twenty mm-hmm. and like have a thirteen year big league career or something like that. Um, and yeah, now he's twenty four and is uh, he's out of options. <laughs> I, well, I think he was considered among the most like guaranteed high ceiling guys, right? I don't. Again, I don't know. Or, sorry, low ceiling, low ceiling guys. Low. You mean no, like high, uh, high floor, floor guys? Yes, high floor is what I meant, Eric. Yes, that I would characterize that as uh, true. Right. Um, but yeah, and then again, the injuries. Who knows? I saw him that fall league. He came back and he looked heavy, um, but the bat to ball stuff was still fine for me. I thought the power on contact was good. Uh, and then you know there are people who just don't think he can hit big league pitching who think that there that there's some length to his his left-handed swing especially that he can get beat in uh and so maybe that's true as well but at this point like he looks like a utility guy and I can understand how that's disappointing it's certainly beneath what I would have projected for for him at the time yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> What do you think about that? I think that's an apt, uh, incredulous, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, that's that's where I'm going to leave it. Tell me what you're doing. Uh, tell me what you. Oh, do we do we have college baseball? Dude, tomorrow is it begins. Are you going to be watching? Uh, yeah, I got to. Who? <laughs> I got to find what is the best way um, to get. To have access to the SEC, not just SEC, but what are, you know, all the sort of. Pro- How do you watch your college baseball when you're not on, in person? On the Watch ESPN app. Okay. Uh, either on your, I use the the PlayStation. Um, but you know, if you've got like a tablet or a laptop or whatever, that's great. And like the the slate for watching on TV tomorrow is it's full. So if you've got. Yes, if you like a well, cable subscription or whatever, don't like appeal to the listener right now because this is this will this is come, going up uh, after the weekend. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so Please. like check it out, like the Watch ESPN app. That's typically how I uh, watch college baseball on TV. Tomorrow I have Oregon. But what is State. the cheapest way? Hey, oh. do you know what is the cheapest way to get Watch ESPN right now? Besides, like if, you have a ca- if you or your parents have a cable <laughs> subscription, uh-huh. it'll let you like sign in. Yeah, but, okay, but... With your cable subscriber, like, ID, ID and stuff. Now, I could tell you that I have previously used Sling to do it. Okay. And I got a fine deal with Sling. But there are more options all the time. There's now... Uh, I mean, there's DirecTV has a streaming service uh, through which you can get this. PlayStation has one, Hulu has one, and YouTube has one. 
No, I guess it's a question of uh, comparing and contrasting. You got to do some price shopping. Yeah, do what's best for you. <laughs> Maybe one day uh, college teams will start. Uh, college athletic departments will have like Twitch streams or something. It'd be pretty interesting. What? What? Um. So, but that's is that just ESPN or I mean, sorry, is that just SEC or do do I have access to other games by those means? ESPN has other stuff going on. Uh, like, there's a lot of ACC ball um, on Watch ESPN. Uh, they don't really do Pac-12 stuff as much anymore. I don't think since I was with ESPN. Well, I think that there's a whole Pac-12 world. Yeah, there's a whole... Right. But there were... Like, when I was... The first year I did uh, draft stuff for ESPN, like, I helped call an ASU... U of A game, like on ESPN. Um, you did? Yeah. Were you good? Probably not. <laughs> um, you, I just remember... Word, did you use the word heuristic during the broadcast? No, I don't I don't really remember. Um, I'm sure there's record of it somewhere on, on like, my parents' DVR. Aw, because they love you. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, but they, so there might be some less, some West coast conference games maybe that, that get sprinkled in there, like Fullerton and, uh, like some, you know, rivalry game might, might be broadcast or whatever. But, um, but it's mostly SEC, ACC, uh, big East stuff. Big 10 network has games. Uh, yeah, you can find stuff. It's good. <laughs> if I'm there are watching... all sorts of ways to do it. People illegally put them on YouTube and stuff sometimes. What? You just have no. to dig. Yeah, there are, there are like... Uh, what are you talking about? Yeah. Hey, there listen. Are, there are strange, uh, like, Asian accounts that have... That rip games and stick them online. If I'm watching the Big West game, can I see Garrett Hampson play shortstop for the Dirtbags? Not, Not anymore. You saw him play can in person. Can I see person. Garrett Hampson? Huh? You saw him play in person in college. You know what it's like. Yeah, I see. I'm looking I like your hips. I like your hips. Wait, is he going to be on your Rockies list? Yeah. Ah, He's a utility sh- guy. <laughs> you must really like Garrett Hampson. I do like Garrett Hampson. I mean, I think he's got a great skill set. He can really run. Makes a lot of contact, too, if I'm not mistaken. I'll tell you what. He's no sack short. Hmm. Oh, look at that. The Grand Canyon game tomorrow is on ESPN3. Get the hell out. You can maybe see me on the television. Oh, look, you're, you're, I was going to say Big Head, but you don't have Big Head. You, you actually have a nice profile. I'll tell, you that, I'll tell you that to your face. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I'll tell it to you. I don't care. I'll tell you if you have a nice profile. But yeah, people watch college baseball. It's good. Yeah. All right. I mean, it's not. it's really not very good baseball, but it's baseball. It is. The first month of the college season is perhaps my favorite baseball anywhere. Because there's been such a long um, long layoff. So that's why I like it. You know, actually, for the most part, I enjoy... Well, I don't mean this to offend anyone, but I enjoy college broadcasts more. I think that the, I think the lack of professionalism, not the lack of professionalism, but the 
I think I think there's a bit more um, a bit more earnest about their enjoyment of the game, and I think that they're maybe they have uh, less in the way of uh, corporate overlords to satisfy. Yeah, there's something there's something about like that lack of corporate sheen. Yeah, that is refreshing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and a lot of times the students do it. Like a lot of times, it's just you know it's. A senior yeah. and like a junior who work the game, especially if it's like Arizona State has, they have, they've had kids do it. Yeah. You know, Arizona State, and this happens to some of the Pac-12 games, you know, like in the SEC, basically everything is, is televised, you know, like it's on, it's a real broadcast. Pac-12 sometimes just has, there's like, here's a camera that's set up at Arizona State. Hope you like baseball. <laughs> You know, that's all it is. There's no, there's no uh, commentary. Uh, I actually, I, I personally don't. I like that too. Uh, there were some. I remember there were like some midweek Pitt UNC games mm-hmm. last year because I was looking to see. Like you can, a lot of times you can see scouts and executives behind home plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like it was last year. Who was I watching last year? Was it like a random? Like I saw JP Rashardi somewhere. Random, like on an at like a pit, uh, UNC game, like midweek game or whatever. Was he, pitching, was he looking at TJ Zoik? No, it was it was Warmoth. It was like it was last year, so it was Warmoth and Miller and stuff. Okay. Yeah, you know what would actually? Do you know what would actually make a? And maybe you don't believe me. I think a, a great Instagrams post would be a screen cap from of that game, and then you using a. Uh, you know, a free image editing program. You just draw red lines to all the people who you recognize. Okay, so before we started recording, uh, Kylie's at a game right now, and they just posted, like, they it, it's a, a prep baseball report event that has a couple interesting draft prospects at it, and, like, mm-hmm. Kylie is there. Mm-hmm. And they posted a picture of the scout section behind home plate to show, like, hey, look at all these scouts that come to our event. And I was looking for Kylie and ended up seeing like, oh, I know seven of these people. Yeah. So I don't mean – and I don't mean necessarily like just like scouts who are minding their own business. But I do mean, you know, like if if there is a – like a GM at the game, I think that's notable. Someone like that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's Or Larry King. There are some people who would be really pissed at me if I did that. Who would be? You know, GMX in question. Oh, well, send me the image. I don't – you know. Send me the. I'll do it. Because uh, what what are they going to say to me? I guess you're right. Yeah, you've lost all credibility. I mean, you're there. You story. know you're on TV. I suppose. What's that? I mean, I said like you're there. You know you're on TV. Yeah, sure. You know, you said it you to could me. see if you watched uh, Otani broadcast, you could see like Preller and Anthopolis were at like the same Otani start and. Yeah, this is information that I think. I think there's some value to it. I think you should pass it along if you don't want your name attached to it. What do you think? All right. Well, maybe I'll maybe uh, especially as the draft approaches, it'll be time to cruise some. Uh, and sometimes the scouts just tell you who is there, but like it would be funny. <laughs> it is funny to like see actually see them. All right. Here's who's watching a possible, you know, number one. Sure. Draft picks. Yeah, like uh, I the Dodgers scouting director was at the um, SEC tournament last year. And, like, you can kind of put together, like, okay, well, I don't think this guy is going to get to them. 
but like Jaron Kendall, I suppose, would maybe fall that far. And like that's how you throw together mock drafts and stuff. At, to, yeah. As as the and day I, you approaches. Know, some people might say uh, that's a little bit too inside baseball for me, and I'd be mm-hmm. like, that's literally what our site is dedicated to: is examining the insides of baseball. I'd like to examine the actual inside of an actual baseball. The commissioner just told reporters again that that it's there's nothing wrong with it, that it's totally. Well, I think he could say that, be correct, but also not recognize the one point which uh, I think Rob Arthur has made until he's he's made himself sick, which is that the acceptable range for the uh, what the whatever the coefficient is is such that. Uh, it could like double the number of home runs in the league and still be within the acceptable range. So he's not, he is not actually, uh, I don't think he's necessarily misstating anything. Commissioner Manfred, he could be Mm -hmm. totally accurate. Um, Right. I, uh, yeah. He said, uh, the, the baseballs are fundamentally the same. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's, uh, it's putting a lot of stress on the word fundamentally, isn't it? Mm hmm. Hey, you know what this has been? This has been a real pleasure. That's because we didn't talk about the uh, the labor stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. I mean, there's a lot to say. I still, I don't know if I'm going to write that article about um, how the amateur side is considering things like from from their point of view. Because it's just every, everybody I talk to has something different to say, and like there's no clear, there's no clear solution. There's no clear. Uh, no one has the same idea as any other person. Like it's just yeah. the things people are thinking about and and considering as far as amateur baseball is concerned, and and whether or not eventually you have a chance to be paid as a professional baseball player. Uh, they're all over the place. You I know, just don't know. I think you should get uh, the players should get you two to write a song about it. That that always brings brings a lot of attention to to various social issues. If you get Bono involved, you know, you're like, yeah. oh, the camera's over there, camera's over here. There'll be an app on your iPhone when you purchase it. I'm just you got to think outside the box for this kind of thing. Yeah, I don't even know if there's anyone who has that sort of social gravitas that can that can do that from an artistic standpoint anymore. Hey, you don't know it till you try. All right, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go get uh, do some FaceTime, not tech, not Apple's FaceTime. I'm going to right, actually go look at my family and force them yeah. to look at me at the same time. All right. But uh, Eric Loganagan, uh not only do I love you as as is uh, always the case, but I continue to be impressed. Uh, not only your your knowledge of the game but the, your ability to speak about it well thanks Carson yeah. I like you too <laughs> I will say this now I will say uh, that has been Eric Longenagen he's the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com uh, well let me say thank you let me say thank you oh you're welcome alright it's Eric Longenagen lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com I'm Carson Sestouli and this has been Fangraphs Audio